Hi, my name is Michael Otto. I'm the uh, Overland Park Student Ministries Director, and welcome to Student Sunday. So excited that you guys are here with us. I'm really, really excited for this service because my, uh, my daughter is, in, is, is here right now, and she said that it was going to be boring. So, sweetie, I'm going to try really, really hard, my hardest, to not make it so boring. Well, like I said, uh, good morning and welcome to Student Sunday. Um, we hope that you've been blessed so far to, to be greeted and to be ushered into service, to hear from our amazing uh, uh, worship team and choir. Um, it was such a blessing to see this unfold and to, to hear how amazing they sounded today. It was such a blessing. Um, and for you guys all, all out here today, thank you so much for being student strong. That's one of our, ble- our, one of our values here. And so thank you so much. So, uh, like I said, it would not, this, this service, this worship service would not be possible here today without so many people being here and for behind the scenes making things happen from, you know, from Steve and to, from Austin to, to Jason up here to Christy uh, to all of, the, all of the students being here showing up and, and being ready. And really, truly, and honestly, we, me and Riley, we wouldn't want to do it and couldn't do it on our own. Like if you saw me behind the, the drums trying to do what, what Noah does every single every single day, it would just, it would just not be good. So um, we're just so thankful for, for them and for everyone coming together uh, to make this happen and living out one of our other values, which is better together. Um, honestly, we can, we can accomplish so much more when we're together through Christ than when we work alone. And I'm sure you all know this. This past month, we had an amazing uh, godly parenting series led by Pastor Tammy uh, that talked about just how, how it takes several caring um, adults that pray for students, that lift them up, encourage them on a, on a daily basis. And honestly, that's what I'm going to be talking about more of today. And, and for us to be plain and simply a, a, a village of people, it takes a village of people. So that's what our, our sermon is titled today. And, and, and maybe you guys have heard that phrase before. Um, maybe you've heard that phrase thrown around at, you know, at a baseball game or um, at practice or when you're sitting around with another parent at a, you know, at a playground or even at a parent-teacher conference. Maybe you've, maybe you've heard that before. But really, um, when it gets down to it, it, it shouldn't stop, stop there. It should say it takes a village to raise up a child or, or, or point a person to Christ. So in traditional colonial fashion, I do have three points today. Don't be worried about that. We do have three points. Um, Those being, uh, being a village of people means sacrificing. It means being intentional. And it means being driven by the Holy Spirit to impact a person's life forever. So you're probably like wondering, maybe why, why is this so important to talk about on a Sunday morning? Why is this such an important message to discuss well, um, because now more than ever, church, now more than ever, we are in an era where people seemingly are at their loneliest. We are at an era right now in our, in our lives where people are so disconnected, but also so connected than we've ever been before. The UCLA Loneliness Scale is a widely used uh, survey that's actually been given insight into how often a person feels disconnected. This study performed in January 2020, right before our lives changed forever, found that 73% of Generation Z sometimes or very often feels feels alone, followed up by 71% of millennials and 51% of baby boomers feeling disconnected. And I'm sure if we were to to continue to uh, survey uh, other generations prior, the, the numbers would also be close to that. But not only that, I want to share another statistic with you. 
Um, another stat is that 46.1% of men and 45.3% of women overall feel, report some sort of disconnection in their lives. So now more than ever, church, now more than ever, colonial, we must respond to this loneliness epidemic going on in our, in our, in our midst and to live out our mission statement of being the light of Christ in a hurting culture. So before uh, there was colonial, long before uh, colonial was here, uh, Jesus walked the earth. And there is an amazing account of four friends who risked, who sacrificed much to help their paralyzed friend meet Jesus and was changed forever. So I would ask now that if you can, uh, rise for the reading of Scripture. On one of those days, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in, because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, who is this who speaks these blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, Why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, Rise. Pick up your bed and go home. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home glorifying God. And amazement seized them all, and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, We have seen extraordinary things today. Thank you. You may be seated. So just like with any scripture that we go through on a Sunday or any scripture that we go through with our students, it's important to know what was happening around the time of the story and to know and to even answer the question, why were these four men um, risking it all that day for this person? So first off, we have to know that at the time um, or, or that at the time that Jesus was teaching, we can read at the beginning of the section that the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee, Judea, and from Jerusalem. In verse 19, we can read that those that were, those that were there or that were present, um, they had brought a paralyzed men, but they could not actually enter the home. They couldn't enter the home because of the crowd. All right, so I want to ask one question here. Who here, and show of hands, who here likes hosting parties or large gatherings at your home? Anyone? Actually, more than last service. Last, okay, awesome. I see some, some hands creeping up there. Okay, so your gift is hospitality. Your gift is hospitality. You're, you'll throw a gathering or a get-together on a whim, right? And there's always, there's always the spouse sometimes that is ready to pack things up 
and to usher people out after dinner, okay? Now, uh, in, in, in our family, my wife loves hosting things. I'm a little bit more hesitant, but afterwards, I really, really love it, okay? And so, and I also love it because I'm usually the one, you know, I go along with it because I love her cooking, okay? I love it. And so, but and going back to the story of the, of the, um, the house and the, and the people there, the homeowners, wouldn't you, wouldn't someone be like, enough is enough. Like, there's enough people here. We don't have enough room. But whoever the homeowners were, they were more than likely people that would have felt honor to have such an, an important folks that were there at this time. They would have felt honored to have the Pharisees from every surrounding village at this place. And at this point, more than likely, the teachers of the law, they were curious about who this Jesus was. They wanted to look him in the eyes and understand who he was as a, as a person and who, what he was about. But this begs the question, though, what happened to the people that truly needed Jesus, to the people that needed healing and that didn't have the ability to be inside that home that day? So those that needed Jesus the most were unable to get through to him. And and despite their needs, in, in the middle of a large crowd outside the home, there lay a paralyzed man with no way of getting through on his own, that is. So what happens next? Let's read on. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. So I think the the main point here is that sometimes we have to get really creative in, in, in reaching people for Christ. Isn't that right, church? So for these four men, they refused to take no for an answer with their paralyzed friend, and they took up his bed on top of the house. And instead of going through the front door, which would be very customary even today, they decided to go up the stairs and lower him down through the roof. So I don't know. I don't know if you guys know this, but um, houses and roofs especially are constructed a little bit differently than they were back then, all right? Here's actually a photo of an everyday home in Capernaum during the time of Jesus, all right? So you can see, you know, no stucco, no, you know, building materials are a little bit different, right? But it's actually been suggested that the Greek word for tile might have also meant packed clay, Many roofs of the Galilean villages were overlain with packed clay, so much so that if, you know, reports of, of, of leaking, of a hard rain um, were pretty common. And sometimes grass even sprouted from the people's rooftops. And so the construction of homes were just a little bit different, obviously, than they were now. So you can imagine now the, the men, they were carrying their friend by the corner um, of, of his bed. They were, they were hoisting him up there. And then they have this, this job now of scraping, of digging through the roof. They're sweating, probably like I am right now with all these lights up here. They're sweating. It's tiresome work probably. But then it happens. Like people are starting to stare. Something's going on. The homeowners are probably like, what is happening on top of my home? Everyone there is probably shocked. And then the roof starts to crumble. They're, they're, they've made a hole in the, in the roof. They've started to make a bigger hole in the roof. And, and you can imagine like the Pharisees, they're trying to shield their eyes. They're, they're, they're probably questioning what's going on. The, the homeowners, they're probably like, well, where's, what am I going to do? I don't have insurance. Like, what's going on with that? And then, you know, I imagine Jesus, though. All those people are shocked, and he's just grinning from, from ear to ear because he gets to meet, um, meet this person and to, and to be in their presence. So these men, they defy the odds and they burst into the scene and lower him at the feet of Jesus. So you're like, what does this have to do with being a village of people? 
because these men, first and foremost, um, they, were, they were sacrificing much. So my first point is to truly be a village, it takes sacrifice. To truly be a village, it takes sacrifice. It took sacrifice for these men to give their time, probably some, some dignity, you know, uh, maybe a day's wages, a lot of courage to go up against how things should have been done and, and to lower their friend down to meet Jesus. But isn't, isn't that what faith is all about, though? It's about doing something that is maybe against the order of how things are done and just hoping and putting your trust in someone. And in this instance, it being Jesus. And here's Christ's reply. It says, and when he saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven you. Notice that it doesn't say when he saw his faith that he forgave his sins, but, but when he saw the faith of the four men and the paralyzed man together, collectively, did he forgive his sins? We can read that this stirred up trouble. This stirred up trouble within the Pharisees and, and, and the teachers of the law there. But, but Jesus knew what was happening. He, he sensed in their hearts and he knew that they did not see the faith of this village there. He was not there to just forgive the man's sins that day, but he was, to, he was there. Jesus was there to heal him physically as well. So it takes sacrifice to lead those to Jesus. And as we know, he calls us to do the same as well. And so maybe that sacrifice looks different for all of you guys. Maybe that's giving up a, 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 a space of time or, or maybe that means giving up some energy, you know, that you could be, you know, scrolling Netflix or even just being uncomfortable, right? It's so hard for us to want to be uncomfortable, but that's what it takes. And that's what it takes to, uh, to be a village of people. So moving on, my second point from this story is that it takes consistency to be a village. It takes consistency to be a village. So another show of hands, who here realized that after they, you know, graduated college and, and all that, that it actually takes quite a bit of effort to find community and to find friendships? Anyone else feel that? Like, I know I feel that. Phil's out there. He feels that. That's, that's what it's all about is that it's hard sometimes for us to connect with people and, and I'm kind of jealous of our students sometimes because they, they're in this bubble of time right now where they're, they're surrounded by friendships. They're surrounded by, by, by relationships. But it takes hard work for us to do that. But if you look to the book of Hebrews and if you look to the, to the author of Hebrews, we can actually read that um, it's not something that's, um, uh, you know, it's an obligation. So here's what it says here. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. And that's Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. So here's something that we can really glean from this is that even people back then, it was common for them to lose momentum. It was common for them to isolate themselves and to go against the community that, that God has orchestrated for us. Something that I've learned recently is that this, this want, this um, ideal for community and, and fellowship doesn't just come from us. It's something that's been written on our hearts um, from the Trinity, from the very beginning, from the fellowship that God has with, each, with, the, with the Trinity, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That community, out of that came us and our desire for that. And so we shouldn't be surprised that we're wanting that, but we, should, we, we also shouldn't be surprised that sometimes it's also difficult for us to attain that, right? So when we want to shut ourselves away, um, it takes consistency to be a village. And that means showing up, showing up when, even when we don't want to. 
Um, so here's a quote um, for one of my favorite authors named Jenny, Jenny Allen in her book, Find Your People, about consistency. And here's the quote. Here's what we do. We spend hours alone in our crowded, noisy, screen-lit worlds. We invest only sporadic time with acquaintances. And then we expect close friends to somehow appear in our busy lives. All right? And so that's a, that's a real quote that I even struggle with today. Um, Sunday, I don't know if you guys know this, but it's the day that if, you know, any iPhone users out there on Sunday mornings, what comes out, it's the, the screen usage or the phone usage report. And I'm actually, I'm proud to say I checked mine, you know, a little bit ago. I'm down 10%. So I'm really, gl- I'm really proud of myself. Thank you, Alan. But I know that sometimes um, when, when we look to this, we, we can honestly, we feel so connected. But right now in our worlds, if we think about it, we're so disconnected. It takes so much time and it takes so much effort for us to like these men, for us to, to give up and to, to give things away, sacrifice, and to be consistent with those around us. All right? It takes consistency to, to be in each other's lives. And, and for so many times, you know, I'll look down on my calendar and I'll see that, you know, we're going to have a dinner at this person's house. We're going to be meeting these folks at the zoo. But it, it means getting out of our comfort zones and to be consistent in people's lives. And, and to, to speak about that too, we have uh, amazing volunteers, some of which are here right now, that give so much of their time. They give so much of their, of their, um, their talents, their, their, their finances, their energy. They give so much on a day-to-day basis to go to students' events, to go to their plays, to show up in, in their lives when it's even, more, even difficult, right? They do that on a weekly basis, and we are so, so thankful for them. But none of this, though, None of this would even be possible, church, without the Holy Spirit, as, as I hope you guys know. You see, like, if we were to try to put this thing on every single week and our students and on our own efforts, it, it, just wouldn't, it just wouldn't be possible. And so my third and final point is it takes the work of the Holy Spirit to be a village. It takes the work of the Holy Spirit to be a village. Let's go back to our main passage one final time. Later on in Luke 5, it says, When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, Why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, Go, pick up your bed and go home. So you see, so Jesus that day, he'd been proving to the Pharisees who he truly was, that he was more than just a carpenter, that he was more than just, you know, Mary and Joseph's son, that he was more than just a good teacher, but that he had the authority to heal and, that, and to even forgive people's sins right there and right, right in their midst. The faith of these men led them to Christ, and we have the same opportunity, Colonial, to lead others close to our Redeemer in the same way. But it doesn't come from us, though. And honestly, it shouldn't because, you know, we, you know, we are sinful people and have a sinful nature. But you know, I'll never remember reading in the book of Acts what he said, what Jesus said to his apostles right before he ascended uh, to heaven. And this is what he said to them in Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You see, we have not been given a spirit of, of timidity. We have not been given a spirit of fear and, and of hopelessness, but one where we are directly tied to the Father. We are directly tied to a mission, 
a, a missio day of, of a mission that has come from God from the very beginning throughout the Bible, throughout Scripture, and it's still residing with us today. God is still on the move in our, in our city, in our, in our, right where we're at. We're making a big deal right, right now about a two to three mile radius and why, how we can reach out to those around us and what that looks like because the mission of God is still alive and well even to this day. But really, what does that look like for you and for me and for us today in 2023 in Overland Park? What does that look like for, for us to live out this mission, to be a, a village of people that, that cares, that is consistent and sacrifices and, and all that? Maybe you don't have the strength, or maybe, you know, I don't either, to carry someone to Jesus like these four men did, but I know that every single person here, you have gifts, you have abilities, you have uh, gifts that God has given you to help bring the kingdom of God even closer today. And again, two weeks ago, Tammy, she preached on, and, and I mentioned it earlier, that every student needs at least one adult in their lives to flourish and grow in their faith. I would say it takes not only uh, adults, but it takes peers and student leaders to spur each other on in their faith as well. So this past January, uh, I was tasked to uh, come up with a strategy of, of, of reaching our, our students in a two to three mile radius um, and, and for here at Colonial that would not only create opportunities for students to serve and to grow in their knowledge of the Lord, but to be reached by parents, student leaders, and staff that just like these four men were a village that sacrificed so much even sleep sometimes, so that they can be discipled, and in turn, these students can disciple other people. Um, so here, so we, I came up with this graphic um, uh, that's going to be up here on the screen. That one that it's so important in the life of our of the of our student ministry. And here's the strategy, and it comes from this story here. And you can read this up here. Um, so coming straight from this uh, this story, that by having each of these four corners. Um, representing people in our student ministry that we will be able to more effectively um, reach students and disciple them in our community. And, but, you know, this morning, I didn't want to highlight those on my own. I, I actually want to bring up some special people here to the stage uh, to talk about um, their involvement in our student ministry. I'm going to be bringing up uh, Hannah Maybe, who's on our parent team, Tim Oliphant, who's one of our volunteers, Sydney Bowen, who's a student leader, and Riley Roberts, who's on staff. So they're going to be chatting with you guys for a few minutes about this. Hello, good morning. My name is Hannah Maybe, and I'm up here this morning representing um, the parent portion of the graphic that Michael just showed you. Um, I'm also a mother of three uh, teenagers that are involved in our youth ministry. Uh, this fall, I will have two high schoolers and one middle schooler, and so it was only natural that we, my husband and I both felt led to engage ourselves um, in a volunteer role um, in our youth ministry. So the first group I'd like to talk about is the parent steering team, um, and that is an advisory council um, where a group of parents come together. Um, we maybe uh, meet quarterly at the Lighthouse with our youth staff. Um, we discuss uh, policies or new concepts that are going to be rolling out for our youth as well as bring ideas to the table. And so one example of that was the beautiful um, choir that was here this morning worshiping. That was a parent-led engagement where we had parents 
parents, um, a part of that steering team that said, hey, the Holy Spirit has really put it on our hearts that we want to see our young people not only participating in worship at the Lighthouse, but here on our stage in a more formal manner in our adult service. And so out of that steering um, council came something like this Youth Sunday. Uh, that is a large table of people, and there is room for more of you to join. Um, if you have served on our parent steering team uh, this year or last, if you want to wave your hand up, we have lots of us in the room. Um, come find us later if you'd like to find a way um, to engage with that further. The second group I'd like to talk about um, is the Parent Connection class. That's a new group um, here at Colonial that started last semester, uh, last semester at Christy West and Krista Bowen um, felt led to create that group. Michael has talked this morning a lot about this generation being the loneliest generation. Well, who is raising that generation, right? It's us, the parents of all of these teenagers that are struggling with that. And so the parent connection class, if you have a middle schooler or a high schooler, we intentionally set that class at the 1045 hour um, because we know most likely you're dropping your kids off there. Um, and we'd love to see you upstairs. We're a friendly group. Um, come make a new friend. It's an, we're not an ownership group, so you can pop in a Sunday, pop out. Um, it's a busy season for all of us, but we um, need to model to our middle schooler and high schoolers that making new friends, building relationships, building community is also on our radar as parents. Um, and feel free again to, um, if you'd like to connect more with that, it's on our groups page, on our website, of course, and um, feel free to ask um, any of us for further information. All right, hey y'all, I'm Signe Bowen, and um, I will be a junior at Heritage Christian Academy this year. Uh, I've attended Book Colonial for about 10 years, um, so I've grown up here at this church. I went to Sunday school with Mr. Minky, and I did SML with Adam Reck in room 120, and now I'm at the Lighthouse with Michael and Riley. Uh, Colonial Student Ministry has impacted my life profoundly. I've been able to do so many cool things through this church's youth programs, such as youth front camps, retreats, uh, a canoe trip, um, and I recently just went on a mission trip to Colorado Springs. Uh, when talking with my friends from other churches, I am constantly reminded how blessed I am to have such an amazing uh, youth program here. Um, a couple weeks ago, I went to camp and was able to talk to a younger camper who shared with me that he's always wanted to go to church, but um, he didn't know where to go because his parents had never attended church. I immediately recommended uh, Colonial to him because all of the people in the youth group at the Lighthouse are just so welcoming and friendly, and they just push you in your walk in faith so well. Um, another one of the things that I have loved about Colonial is that they've always offered leadership programs. Uh, some of these have been NKS, serving in the nursery, and Pursue Team at the Lighthouse. For those of you that don't know, Pursue Team is a leadership program offered to the upperclassmen of the high school at the Lighthouse. We're able to do a lot of cool stuff, one of them being planning fun events for the youth groups, such as Fallapalooza and Presby's. Uh, another thing that they do is that they equip us with zero-hour training, which has taught me how to practically disciple uh, in communities outside of my church. Proverbs 27:17 says that iron sharpens iron just as one man sharpens another. I feel that Colonial Student Ministry has truly embodied this verse perfectly as they poured out into me and countless other students. So thank you for making Colonial Student strong.
Howdy all, I'm Tim Oliphant and I'm up here to represent some of the um, youth volunteers that meet with the kids on Sundays and Wednesday nights. Um, consistency is one of the things that I was asked to talk about and um, consistency is one of the things that Colonial Student Program offers uh, volunteers. We get to um, not only be with the kids and help minister to them, but we also get to kind of follow them throughout the years. The seniors that are here now, a lot of these seniors are here in the audience here, um, were sixth graders when I started working with them, and now they're going on to be seniors and will be graduating soon, and I have seen them grow from the little you know, runts that they were to being young adults now, and I can say that with authority because I was a sixth grader once, and I had my own shenanigans that I put my leaders through. For example, I went on a youth activity, went to a house of one of our youth leaders, and um, found a cat that I wasn't so fond of, and as I was chasing it around the house, I found this can of mace, and I proceeded to trap the cat under the bed and then unload the entire canister on that unfortunate creature, which in effect actually, yeah, gasp. Um, in effect, it caused the entire house to have to be evacuated and we could not go back in the house and from what the youth director told me many years later that it, I mean, they couldn't go back in for days. And so this was the kind of thing that my leaders had to endure. And I thank the Lord that they were consistent with me and that they continued <laughs> to pour their lives into me and not just tell me how to live, but to show me how Christ lived and how um, it makes a difference in your life. And so um, working with these kids or young adults now, students, um, and, and having them show up on a regular basis on, sun, or on Wednesdays and going through the small group stuff and hearing their questions, hearing their concerns, hearing their doubts, their, um, their highs and their lows and their buffaloes uh, is just an amazing thing um, to see. And the neat thing about it for me as a volunteer is I get to benefit from that too because they ask me questions that sometimes I don't know the answer to. And so I've got to go home, dig into the Word, and figure out what to tell them next time we, when we meet. And so then I go and divulge all the information that I get. And so they challenge me, I grow as a result, and then I in turn can challenge them to grow as well. And so it's a neat little cycle that um, we have. And then not only that, speaking of consistency, I've got to give props to the seniors who have consistently showed up over the years. They don't have to come on Wednesday nights now. I know when you're parents and you're bringing your kids um, when they're younger, that's, um, thank you for doing that. But now they show up on their own and they bring their friends and they're growing and they are leading now in the youth group. And to be a part of that, to see that is an absolute privilege of mine. And um, I wouldn't train it for the world. And my only regret, my only regret is that I wish I had more time to spend with them. Sorry, I didn't plan on that happening. <clears throat> uh, little mace there. So anyway, <clears throat> um, I totally recommend it. Um, if you guys have a heart for, for youth and to see them grow and to, to follow Jesus the rest of their lives, I mean, invest some time in their lives. Speaking of. Man, that's a tough one to follow. I still do that. Thank <laughs> you.
He's gonna make me cry too. Um, hi everyone, my name is Riley Roberts and I have the great joy of being the high school leader here at the Overland Park campus. And before that, actually, I date back all the way back to 1998. I just gave away my age, that's okay. Uh, and it's fine, I'm, I'm young. Uh, and I grew up at Colonial uh, and I was a student in the program. I did pursue team like Signe. Uh, I was a summer staffer and then became a volunteer when I graduated and then from college and now I am on youth staff so I have almost fulfilled all of the roles yet to be the parent role don't worry not coming anytime soon uh, and through all of these roles um, just the Lord has taught me just different things about ministry and in particular ministry with youth uh, and when I entered um, on staff like the thing on my heart was just like, okay, like here's my roster of students, here who's who I am serving. And what I've come to find out is that it goes way beyond like the students that are on your roster. Like I am partnering with the parents and making sure that they're equipped to lead their students, um, as well as with the volunteers and um, empowering our students to then be, discipling our students so then they can disciple their peers and then me reaching out to their friends. And so through, throughout all of these different um, roles, I guess what I've just found out is that you just got to meet students where they're at. Michael like nailed it on the head. Like this generation is so, so lonely um, and just battling depression and anxiety and identity is huge. Just trying to figure out who they are and if, if they themselves aren't struggling with those things, I like guarantee you if I asked right now, every student would know at least one friend who's struggling with um, any one of those things. And so it's just like, it is hard to be a believer in these schools. And so anytime that I get to together with a student, I'm just there asking some of the tough questions about like, hey, like, tell me what this is like. Like, I want to like come and meet you where you're at and hear your experiences. Um, and then through that, just loving them with a lot of compassion, um, but then also bringing in the biblical truth of like, hey, this is what the Bible has to say about this. And like, what does it look like to be a generation who's rooted in holiness rather than happiness? Um, and in particular, like me and this girl who just graduated, sweet Libby LeBlanc, like we would get together every other week and just um, talk about stuff like this. And just, I, I would really get to know her and what it's like being a student at Spring Hill um, and so it's just been such a joy um, and I'm just so thankful and um, I will try to not cry too but I think you go into this whether it's being a student leader or a parent or a volunteer you go in expecting okay like what can I do for this ministry but you realize like this ministry is doing just as much if not more for you like the Lord is really growing you through it and so um, it's just yeah it's such a treat to be here at Colonial and just be a part of a church where uh, student strong is definitely a value that they um, that we um, embody. Thank you all so much. So wasn't, wasn't that amazing? Um, it's, it warms my heart to see uh, and hear so many of their stories and for you guys to hear them as well. Um, but it truly does. It takes, it takes Christ followers sacrificing their time and, and to talents and treasures and showing up and, and being consistent, like they said, and, and being influenced and spurred on by the Holy Spirit to further his kingdom. And, and my prayer for all of us today is that we would look to the example of these four men. We would look to their example um, and their friend because it really does truly take a village of people to not only, to not only raise a child, but, but to develop them spiritually as well. And, and and next week, I'm excited, Pastor Mark, he's going to be 
um, going through a series and trying to unpack how to even be that um, in our neighborhood and what that looks like. So, um, like I said, if, you, if this morning you, you've, you're, you've wanted to or you've thought about it for a while and you're like, well, I want to volunteer in some way, you know, there's so many different avenues for you to volunteer in our ministry, in the children's ministry as well. And, and that looks like, you know, a Friday night volunteer uh, at the Lighthouse, Wednesday night, Sunday mornings, mentors. Um, if you guys have any sort of uh, gift or ability, and, and which I know is all of you guys, you are um, able to, uh, to reach a, a young person for Christ and reach, and reach those around you. So um, let me, let me, and actually before that, I'll plug my email because it's, you know, I've got to have that. So mauto at colonialkc.org. Talk to me, talk to Riley, talk to any of us. We would love to direct you in that way. So let me pray, and then we're actually going to bring up the, the choir for one last song. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for how you have met us, how you have um, loved us, how you have in, in, equipped us to further your kingdom, Father. Um, and we, we're thankful for, the, for the, um, the example of the four men of the friend, Lord, as we seek to um, continue that and to live that out on a daily basis with people that we know. Lord, we're thankful so much, and, and we thank you for this service. We thank you for, those, for the, uh, so many people that put this together today. And, and God, we know that you're working. We know that you're moving, and continue to do so in the lives of our students. It's your name we pray. Amen.